What's up, everybody? We are Three Little Boys, and this is The Big Show. Uh, after our first full weekend of college football. Boys, how was your weekend? Because I know I had a good time. I was swell. It was great. And also, uh, Alex, I'm 25 years old. This was not my first weekend of college football, so um, you need to chill out. Okay. Wow. Well, wow. Right. You, wow. you know what I meant. <laughs> I think I think Corey should be banned from the next two segments just All right, for fine. that. You edit the pod then. <laughs> muted. Corey's muted. Um, That's fine. You guys can edit the pod. I thought it was. I thought it was great. I thought we had a great first weekend. There were some uh, games that could have gone differently that would have made me a little happier. But my goodness, Freaking I thought as far as Purdue. I thought as far as like quality of games, I thought it was great. I thought it was awesome. Very compelling week. A lot of good games. Loved it. Even from teams that we didn't necessarily expect to get great games from. But we'll get into all of that stuff. So on today's episode, we've got news and nonsense per usual. And then we're going to introduce a new segment that I think is going to be pretty fun. Because we got our first piece of hate on social media, boys. We have made it. We are podcasters. We are content creators because somebody hates us. So this segment's going to be called... Ethan reads mean things that people say about yeah. us on the internet. <laughs> I love it. I absolutely love it. Uh, then we're going to get into uh, the week one review, and then we'll pick the week. So should be fun. We're going to keep track of our records all year, figure out who is the uh, king of picks and the king of Big Ten college football. And from on now on, show. from now on, we will be picking against the spread, ladies and gentlemen. So no more... Oh, yes, I think this 30-point favorite is going to win. Congrats. No. All the games from here on out picked against the spread for your entertainment pleasure. Which is not my first choice. I'd rather be 20-2 and two at the end of this, you know, midway through the season or something. But nobody I'm, wants I'm to hear also, that. I'm also going to say who I think is going to win, too. <clears throat> Great. <laughs> <laughs> Corey's causing chaos. All right. <laughs> So, uh, well, with that, let's just hop into the news. Uh, a couple of minor things. Uh, FBS approved the transfer windows for 2022-23 season. So these windows are the time period that players can use their one-time exception rule. Uh, so the windows are December 5th to January 18th, and then May 1st to May 15th. So they can still transfer outside of that, but cannot take advantage of the one-time exception um, all right that'll come in, this is actually that'll come into effect for somebody we're going to talk about uh, <laughs> oh a little teaser i like Woof. that this is a little bit bigger washington uh is the latest pac-12 school to meet with the big 10 about joining uh cory what say you about the huskies potentially coming to big 10 country oh i think that makes a lot of sense uh I, is it just going to be a complete morph of the of the Pac-12 and the Big Ten? I mean, that's just what it seems to be shaping up to up to look like. I don't know. Maybe you know the Huskies were after their their trip to Ann Arbor, like, oh, we could get used to coming out here every other year or something like that. Um, but no, and it makes spanked and getting spanked. Uh, I, I think it makes a lot of sense. It's. Oddly enough, some of those northern Pac-12 schools kind of play a similar game to uh, some of the Big Ten schools. Um, so I think it would be 
easier transition for them than a like a UCLA or a USC, um, just based off of the style of play. I think the the biggest bummer of this Pac-12 disbandment that we're seeing right now is the fact that there are two separate games that are played in that conference. One's more like one's more similar to like Big Ten, rough and tough. Not not rough and tough, excuse me. I had to stop myself there. But like ground attack and then another is like West Coast offense, all of that stuff. So um yeah. It's just the natural progression of things, I would think. UCLA fans seem elated about coming to the Big Ten, minus the fact that they seem elated because nobody, and I mean nobody, showed up to their game. Nope. Did you see that? It, it, it was, was an empty, empty. empty stadium. Absolutely empty stadium. But listen, you're going to get over it, and you're going to sign because that TV media deal is way too big, <laughs> and people will come back. UCLA is a massive school. Their football program is big, and their basketball program is massive. So they're gonna they're gonna be a breadwinner. It, it's gonna be good for you. the 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 Pac twelve is yep, folding. Like you have to understand, it's adapt or die at this point in college football, and the Pac twelve is going to cease to exist after the Big Ten decides what teams it just it's gonna want to pluck from that conference. I have, I have a question. Uh, yes, Corey. What's your question? Will Bill Walton now refer to the Big Ten as the Conference of Champions? Oh, please. Let, let's let get Bill Walton on every single college basketball broadcast we can. Yes. That's all. That's it. That's all I need to know. Yes. <laughs> I, think, uh, I think for Washington, though, um, oh, man, it, it, it's – it's one of those things where you're going to, you're going to add more teams and there's going to be some teams that are a part of it that you're not super, super excited about. And I think Washington is a decent addition, but not the best, not the worst. I think it's fine. Uh, My words. Exactly. It's fine. All right. Some bigger news. Uh, So the power five commissioners got together and we all know that NIL, I think we all agree that it's, a good thing, but it is the wild, wild west right now because in typical NCAA fashion, they said, yes, let's do NIL. That'd be great. And then they put absolutely zero effort into actually deciding how it's going to be done. So it's just crazy right now. So uh, Power 5 commissioners drafted a letter letter to urge Congress to actually create national legislation. That way, every state, every school would be under the same guidelines. So I'm going to read to you guys really quick. They have like six, they had six pillars in this letter that they said need to be enacted in order for NIL to be successful and create an even playing field. So one is having a national standard, allowing all athletes to earn compensation from third parties. Two is prohibiting pay for play. Thank God, as well as outlawing booster involvement in recruiting. Three is providing protections for athletes, including assurances that agents are subject to meaningful regulation. Four is banning third parties or agents from obtaining long-term rights of an athlete's NIL. Five is requiring deals to commensurate with market rates for NIL activity. Then the last one, it requires athletes to disclose their NIL deals to their university. Uh, This is absolutely 1,000% necessary. We need this not only for the protection of the players but the protection for the integrity and the game and the parity 
of what there is of it in college football. So <clears throat> big thing for me is you you read it right there near the end and it's that they have to report it to their university. I think that needs to be made a third party independent group that you report to because hmm. I, I think that there needs to be such a high level of everything is just out in the open. Everything is disclosed. What's happening, what you're getting, all that kind of stuff. And listen, banning boosters from giving out NIL money is going to be next to impossible. And I'll explain why very briefly. Those boosters are so connected with those communities their ability to funnel money to those players through different businesses and different organizations that they're not technically a part of is going to be something that's just going to happen. I, I, I like the layout of everything. I think what you said was really, was really brilliant. I agree with Ethan that it's going to boosters have been having their hands in everything. Even before NIL, like we we've known this, it's just like one of those things that you either kind of like, turn a turn a blind eye to or you just kind of deal with it um my question would be how would this work because I, I guess i don't really know how many of like the schools are all publicly funded because then i know there's like different operating like there's different operating rules for like a privately funded university and i'm just thinking from like you know i i was involved in the private college world and some of the ncaa smaller schools are private institutions so how would that would there need to be new uh, legislation that would come up for them, or is it just we're just going to focus on what we have at hand right now? There just has to be a standard across the board for if you yes. are involved with NIL, these are the rules, regardless of whether you attend a private or public university. It doesn't okay. matter. And that's how it would have to happen. And I agree that eliminating boosters from NIL and eliminating pay for play is next to impossible, but it 1000% is still important enough to be a rule and probably even more important. What are the consequences going to be? It needs to be for recruiting those players. That yes. 1000% recruiting those it needs, players. It needs, there needs to be such strict punishments when it comes yeah. to, Hey, if you come here, we'll give you X. If that happens, you need to be talking about like a bowl game ban for multiple years. Like, I would go as far as to say you need to be talking about a death penalty no, for a year. No, you you can't you can't do that because you can't. Depending on the severity and how many recruits <clears throat> you've done it with, I, I just think I think it needs to be to the point where it's just like it's so discouraged to do that. Or if you get caught, you know you're going to be in so much trouble that people are just yes. way less likely to do it. That, but, but who's getting in way, trouble? But, Is it the university the or the player? Pl- no, sorry, no, 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 no. The the team that did okay. it the team that did it and you give all of the players on that team a one-time transfer no questions asked i agree i agree but because i think it's not that their the fault. only thing i think the only thing big enough to discourage these boosters from dabbling in it is going to be a death penalty so that wasn't even the biggest news of the week uh the college football playoff they got together and voted on friday and at the latest, 2026 
we're going to 12 teams. I have been so conflicted on this for the past couple of years since they've been talking about playoff expansion. I'll get into those reasons in a second, but Corey, how do you feel about a 12 team playoff and the format that they announced, which I can, I can go through some of the bullet points on the format in a minute. Go over the format one more time. Cause I mean, I, I, I remember looking over it. Yeah, I got you. I, I got you. So it's a 12 team playoff. Six conference champs will be ranked the highest and then plus six highest ranked teams or sorry, they won't be ranked the highest those conference champs, but it'll be the six highest ranked conference champs get in along with the six highest ranked teams that are not included among those conference champs. The ranking of the teams will continue to be done by a selection committee, basically the same committee that does it now. The four, this is big, the four highest ranked conference champs will be seated one through four and they'll get a first round bye. The other eight teams will play in the first round with the higher seeds actually hosting the lower seed on their campus, on their home university field. The model allows for first round games to be played on either the second or third weekend in December uh, with at least 12 days between the conference championship and the first round games. Uh, national championship will still be at a neutral site that won't be going to anybody's uh, home field. The rest of this higher seeds will pr- receive preferential treatment and playoff semifinals. That's the gist. The rest of it is about bowl sponsorships and stuff like that. But that's the gist about how it affects the teams and the format and the ranking. So are we talking like, are we doing away with all of like the, I, I know for like the, the college football playoff right now, the new year six bowls rotate through being like, the college football playoff bowls. Are we going to have the New Year's New Year's Six be like those neutral site games, or is the national championship going to be the only neutral site game in this model? I have a lot more questions than a thought because I mean, I, I personally, I just think, I just think twelve is too many. I would have loved to see six. You have your five conference champions represented. You have your one at large, and then you just go with it based off of that. Because I mean, you just saw this weekend Georgia played Oregon. Oregon could not compete. I get it. It's the first, it's the first game of the year. It's just preseason rankings. You'll have a whole season to like figure that out and hash that out. But still like, like how many of those games are we going to see besides competitive games that we think we would see in a 12 game playoff? I just think that the non-competitive games would outweigh the competitive ones in this model. So I, (laughs) I feel like, when I initially heard this, I was like, why in the world did we go to 12 teams? But then I realized that that meant that the first four teams, the one through four seeds, were all going to get a bye. And that puts a huge emphasis on still being one of the best teams in the country. <clears throat> still winning your conference champion championship and still being one of the best regular season teams because having a bye week in this is going to be absolutely huge. If you are playing as one of the teams who is in the top four and you get a bye week before that team comes to play you, that's a massive advantage. It gives us more college football and it gives us competitive college football because I believe that you are going to have those five through 12 games are going to be competitive and fun games to watch. And then the next week after that is probably going to be your least competitive set of games. However, I think that we've seen multiple different times throughout the college football era 
were the number four team in the country, while they deserved to get in, in quotation marks, we all felt like there was a team out there that was better than them, but had just lost a different game. And you're going to see that team win and make it into the final four, which is going to be awesome and make it more competitive. I like it. I think that it's going to give us a lot more really competitive football in the late parts of the season. I'm excited for it. I agree with a lot of what you said. I'm obviously excited for more football. And I do love the the bye weeks for the top four because, like you said, it's still a premium to be in the top four, right? This doesn't diminish the value of being in the top four. It diminishes the value of making the playoff in general. Yeah. Similar to the college basketball tournament. But so we're going to start talking about it in terms of, oh, did you make the final eight? Did you make the final four? So the vernacular is going to be similar. I still think it's going to be valuable though. And Ethan, those first round games are going to be super exciting and super competitive outside of, and this is kind of the part I don't like about this format. The fact that the top four seeds have to be conference champs. I don't like that because every year you're going to have a Michigan or an Ohio state or a Georgia or a Bama that doesn't win their conference championship. And then they're both probably going to blow out whoever they play in the first round of games. And you're now eliminating to what could have been competitive games and you're making them non-competitive to the point about competitive games so far in the college football playoff, 24 games have been played semifinals, finals included only five of them have been one with a single digit margin of victory. We already don't have competitive games in the college football playoff. I don't think this necessarily fixes the issue because sure, the first round games will be competitive, but like you said, Ethan, once they get to the top four and that top four team has been sitting there with two weeks to prepare with two weeks. Plus actually, it'll probably be close to four weeks to prepare for both teams. They have enough time to prepare to prepare for both teams. They might play. I don't think it's going to make the games any more competitive, but like you said, we will get an occasional four seed that is upset because they don't belong there or it's like a weak conference champ. So, so they're almost, they're almost messing with the system a little bit to make it look more competitive. Like, Oh, look, the six seed Georgia beat the four seed Washington. Well, is it an upset really based on the rankings? It is, but not really. So I'm intrigued. I was originally super against this, but it's more football. The first round is going to be super compelling, and we'll see if we get lucky some years and get a real dark horse team that makes the final four or maybe even the maybe even the championship. So anything else to add? Well, what's the point of conferences then if in this model they shouldn't matter? Well, okay. Actually, I'm glad you said that because I forgot to mention it. If this doesn't put the pressure on Notre Dame to get in a conference, I don't know what will. Because this this basically, I hope, it's not in writing, but I hope this eliminates Notre Dame from contending for a top four spot because you have to be a conference champ to get in there. It's about time that they get in a conference. It's about time. So that's the value on conference championships and conferences is that you have to be in one in order to win a championship and get in the top four and earn a buy. Okay. 
that works. But and that and that's my rant on Notre Dame football. Uh, again, I like still it, if we're so concerned about like oh this conference shouldn't be this conference. I mean, what's the point of even having conferences anymore? I know we're doing away with like completely one like in the Pac-12 because that will soon not exist or at least just will be a shell of itself. They'll just reword it to being like division champs or something. I don't but, know. Maybe I don't know how I feel about it. I don't. I don't think any of us does, but we're going to find out at the latest in 2026. All right, let's get into some fun stuff. The nonsense. Uh, Magic Johnson, God bless his soul. Big MSU fan, obviously played college basketball there. Uh, sent out a tweet to congratulate the team on Saturday for uh, their big win against Western Kentucky. Does anyone know what's wrong with that statement? Oh, no. Go Hilltoppers. Um, Who did Western Kentucky play this weekend? (laughs) I have no idea because it wasn't Michigan State University. (laughs) They played Western Michigan Magic, so uh, uh, mix up there. Yeah. Uh, Speaking of Big Ten teams, was anyone watching Wisconsin when they did the jump around? Um, Okay, so – I did not see this live, but I did. Neither see did it. I. I did see an Instagram video of it and them showing the booth, and uh, somebody was getting jumped behind. Let's just say it that way. <laughs> if you haven't seen it yet, go find the video on Twitter. Uh, the booth got rowdy just during the jump around. It was borderline PG thirteen. There were there were two adult men in that booth just they were having fun i i guess <laughs> it looked like something that two two like high school buddies would do to each other for if, sure if you thought if you thought that was bad you should have heard robert griffin the third in the booth yeah oh boy there's an orgy in the end zone oh boy <laughs> Boys, you predicted it that's our third piece of nonsense <laughs> the fact that he let that come out of his mouth uh Oh, by surprise, to say the least and if you don't get the context michigan had put their third string qb in at the time he actually might even be fourth but his name is alex orgy and rg3 actually teased it earlier when he came into the game he was like oh i i could make some puns with that name but i'll refrain yes. and then he proceeded to score a touchdown and robert griffin the third could not, could not <laughs> he, hold back. he did not contain himself he no, was too he excited. <laughs> he was uh, very excited about orgy, orgies in the end. <laughs> That's news and nonsense. And well, now we're going to move into our new favorite segment where our very own Ethan Davidson reads mean things that people say about us on the Internet. Ethan, I, uh, I think you've got it pulled up. Give us your give us your best take on what this uh, individual <laughs> sounded like. So, um. I'm hoping that there's a way for us to put some dramatic music in here. But if not, that's fine. So, Ill Dilly 503 on Instagram put college football boring AF to which we responded, then why are you here, bruh? And he said, (laughs) (laughs) and to that he said, and I'm at this point, I'm just imagining that he's like, well, hillbillies actually like football, so I don't even know what kind of accent to give this guy. <laughs> Maybe he's from a different country. There you go. Or he's pretentious. 
(laughs) Because you're another wannabe content creator. And I had to watch your boring video while actually trying to find something interesting to watch. Ay ay ay. This guy is a nightmare. Imagine trying to have a conversation with this dude. Like he saw our video, which went viral by the way, and has over two hundred and fifty thousand views. So Boom. Shout out us. Shout out Alex for making it. Yeah, for real. And uh to which we just responded, I hope you have a wonderful day and a kissy face. <laughs> does do, does he realize that like if he doesn't like a video, he can he can just scroll just do another swipe he had another he had to stop on our video and say college football boring af (laughs) i mean i've never wanted to punt somebody so hard he's he's probably he's probably a big college crew guy no you know what he probably is you know what he is he's probably like an Oh, watching the NFL is the only way to watch football. Most miserable people, most miserable people on God's green earth. If you're one of those people who's like watching college football, is like trying to watch the Canadian football league. Uh, that's just because you never had a team to root for growing up and you couldn't grow a pair and pick one to watch. I, like, I'm sorry. Your life is so miserable. I get to watch football on two days a week instead of one. Actually, I appreciate that. Actually, three, four. I mean, you get Thursday night football, Saturday, Sunday, and Monday night. No, you get Wednesday night Maction, too, baby. Don't isn't, forget. Isn't that on Tuesdays? I think that's on Tuesdays. I thought, I thought it's Wednesday. I don't know. I told Alex I've never watched it. So. <laughs> oh, I have. <laughs> so, anyways, all about that Maction. So, anyways, uh, Illy Dilly 503, we appreciate you, bro. Thanks for the, thanks for the comment. Thanks for keeping us in that algo. <laughs> yep, thanks for the comments. <laughs> Boosting engagement, buddy. Yeah, Spreading funny. our ho- horribly boring content. Yeah, like it. yeah. Appreciate you. <laughs> uh, <laughs> all right, so let's get into what was a wild, wild week one in Big Ten football land. We're not going to start off with the wild stuff. We're not going to do that. We're we're going to save the best for last, or in Corey's opinion. The worst for last. I'm, I'm so mad. Don't even. I'm so mad. I wonder. Mad. I wonder where he thinks the Big Ten West runs through now. Because <laughs> hmm. it ain't West. Lafayette. You know. You know what. You hmm. know what. I, I'm not gonna sit here and be slandered. I had everyone aboard the hype train, so that means if you were on the hype train on the Thursday night game, you're coming down with me. Hey, you can't I, just jump off. I was on Nebraska Week Zero, so. Yeah, you. I have no no room to talk. All right, Alex, hit it. All right. So uh, in what was a boring contest, uh, Wisconsin beat up on Illinois State 38-zip. Braylon Allen did what you expect uh, Braylon Allen to do, which was uh, run all over Illinois State. He he had – God, how many yards rushing was it? It was like – it was like 140 something like he had over 10 yards of carry was his a- average. And part of that was a 96 yard touchdown run. If you take away his 96 yard touchdown run, still averaged four yards of carry. That's pretty good. It It is decent. That's it is decent. Uh, Graham Mertz was super efficient. So shout out to Wisconsin. Don't feel like we need to spend a, time, a lot of time on that. They were supposed to beat up on him. 
Uh, the road Rutgers. to Pasadena runs through uh, uh, Madison. Oh, sorry. Uh, what? What? What was that? What was that? <laughs> Nothing. I didn't say. It. I sneezed. I, oh. You know what? I'm sad because I agree with him, and he's always wrong. <laughs> hey. <laughs> uh, Maryland beat up on Buffalo, thirty-one ten. Maryland's got some explosive athletes, boys. Explosive athletes. Uh, Talia didn't even have like a super impressive game, and they still poured it on uh, Buffalo. Their running back. Oh God, I'm scrolling through my notes right now. Yeah, Roman Hemby, seven carries, 114 yards. They might have found them found themselves a run game, boys. So watch out for Maryland. Uh, Minnesota beat up on New Mexico State, 38 zip. Mo Ibrahim, uh, 21 carries, 132 yards, two TDs. That is Mo Ibrahim's 10, 10th straight game with uh, 100 yards. He's I, so I think uh, I think we got to see the fact that Mo Ibrahim is is back and he's ready to prove that um, him being as low as he was on the preseason Big Ten rankings was a mistake. <laughs> and uh, row the boat. Mo Ibrahim Moises, the third. M- Mo Ibrahim gonna score more touchdowns than any other running back in the conference. Ain't that the truth? Well, because uh, and, and and let me just elaborate a little bit on that because he doesn't have a staunch number two behind him, like a nope. great number two. He is You're the right. guy. He is on the field for first, second, third, and if they're going for it on fourth down, he's out there again. So you talk about a three down back, he's a four down back and he is going to be on the field. And I think their quarterback play is going to be mediocre to it'll be fine. Good. It'll be fine. Yeah. So I look for Mo Ibrahim to if Minnesota is going to become the team that they want to be this season, Mo Ibrahim is going to be the reason. I would agree with that. Yeah. And I don't care who you're playing. They were playing New Mexico State. Uh, shutting out any team is a feather in the cap. Like no that's doubt. a difficult thing to do, no matter who you are playing. Uh, so this Minnesota defense might might be something to deal with too. So they might have something to say about uh, who the road to uh, uh, Pasadena goes through. I was just thinking about that, but I can only claim that once per show. So <laughs> <laughs> that's my rule. I like it. I like it. The self control. Uh, Rutgers. 22 to 21. The come from behind victory over Boston College. Nine, Go Rutgers. 96 yards, baby. Gabagool. 96 yards <laughs> all on the ground. Well, my dad, my a, dad uh... drives a Ram 1500. <laughs> they were watching. They were watching. They drove. They're like, oh, they we, drove, can't, we can't have this. They took their daddy's Ram 1500 and drove it all the way down the field. So those are the games that we were just like touching on because they were either blowouts or. Watch out you know. for Crookshank from Rutgers. He had an electric True. game as well. Underrated performance and probably grade A college football name. Ain't that the truth? Agree. Crookshank. Crookshank, yeah. Heck yeah. Ohio State's got a linebacker, too, named Steel Chambers. Oh, my Oof. gosh. Come on. Lord Terry. <laughs> Terry. <laughs> what, what you do? What you doing, Terry? Let's talk a little bit more about this Nebraska football team as much as it might be painful to talk about it is more painful for Nebraska fans to watch yeah and I picked them to win the west 
Yikes. You did pick them to win the West. I, so. I, that was I, the thing. I would like to recant my previous statement. <laughs> you are allowed to recant it, but you do have to be the first one to talk about this football team. Okay. So, I, I mean, oh, they they struggled to score early on. Obviously, I understand they got the running game clicking in the second half. But, I, I mean, that game was tied, what, in into the third quarter of that game it was still tied and it's like it took them breaking off that that run to go ahead i i just they kept shooting themselves in the foot they kept just putting themselves in positions where it was like oh okay like now the game is gonna be over because they'd get the ball to midfield and i think here comes a scoring drive nope find a way to fizzle out and 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 it's like you are playing a terrible team you have to just find a way to keep your foot on the gas pedal and i think that's the biggest thing that that nebraska has struggled with under scott frost is the fact that when they have the momentum and they have the game in hand they they find a way to give it away instead of just keeping their foot on the gas and going after it. obviously they won this game which my goodness they should have but I mean, if you're a Nebraska fan, you just have to be absolutely horrified at what you're seeing. It, it, it's tough. This is a game I actually watched pretty closely. Um, it's tough because I like usually when you get to these early season games, you're like, my team is not going to lose. Like this is the only reason that, un- unless you're crazy like us, like that you would watch Nebraska play North Dakota if like that's the team that you root for. Um, I just think they are like, like a poorly like they like fundamentally wise. I don't think they're very good. Like, I think they've got all the talent in the world and they can compete with just about anybody. Last season showed that. But like, if you get a team that is coached incredibly well, doesn't matter if it's NCAA Division three, you can go into Nebraska right now and put up a heck of a fight. And North Dakota is one of the better FCS schools. They're one of those teams that compete with, uh, what is it, North Dakota State? North Dakota State, yeah, that's what I was just about to say. But still, there is no reason, there is absolutely no reason that you should have been sweating in that game if you were in Nebraska. But you were, because a team that is well-coached can come in there and mess some things up for you. Yeah, this, I I couldn't have said it any better. Fundamentally, this is a poorly coached football team and a poorly built football team they their offensive line not physical enough not nearly physical enough nowhere close to, to enough puking uh-uh. not enough <laughs> they needed more they needed more guts out on the field uh they they don't have an offensive line to compete in the big 10 let alone just get by against schools like north dakota their defense against north dakota gave up over 300 yards of offense 300 yards of offense against this team. Yikes. Scott Frost got the win, but the seat is, in my opinion, it's even hotter after week two. Like the Because the final score does not reflect how close that game was. That was a one-possession game going into the fourth quarter where you genuinely had no idea who was going to walk out of that stadium yeah. and win. Yep. Kind of how, so how it felt with MSU. That actually is kind of how it felt with MSU. Uh, you want to go to that one next? We'll go to that one next. 
uh, Michigan State, they beat Western Michigan. I don't know if I gave a final score for Nebraska, North Dakota. That was 38-17 they ended up winning. Um, but back to Michigan State. Michigan State beats Western 35-13. Again, another game that it didn't feel like that. But it does seem like historically Michigan State struggles early in the season against opponents they should absolutely crush. And they always seem to rebound. Um, but Corey, what did you think about the Spartans? What what else do I have to say in my not biased uh, view of the Michigan State Spartans? Um, I forgot you picked Western to win this game. <laughs> Just purely out of hatred. Oh, purely out of hatred. Uh, that was obviously not a smart decision. Um, I I think you're right in the fact that Michigan State does seem to struggle early on in the season, except for last year when they had literally one of the best running backs we've seen in quite some time, especially for them um, in the big time. Uh, but I, I feel like they've always seemed to like kind of hang in there with some of the Mac schools in the state of Michigan um, specifically with, they've played Western, I think every so often um, and every time they've struggled uh, with that. And then also just looking into that a little bit, uh, what uh, Peyton Thorne's, like dad is a coach at Western Michigan. Um, he's the OC. Yeah. So he's the OC. And then also Jalen Reed was from, uh, or he, you have, you have the starting quarterbacks dad as the head or as the offensive coordinator for the other team. And you have a former wide receiver on or from that Western Michigan team on Michigan state. Do you think, and those are like the, two biggest weapons that Michigan state has to offer on offense. You think you might be able to figure out how to play against them for a little bit. So biggest thing that scared me with MSU was their secondary play did not seem heavily improved, which it that's the, I've been saying that, that since the beginning, that is, that's the place where they needed to improve the most. And it didn't look like they did, but no. they looked very much so improved on the defensive line. And transfers, you go back to it with Mel Tucker, that he hits that transfer portal, and it seems like he just pulls dudes out of the transfer portal. And uh, I, I think that, you know, the the secondary isn't going to have to cover for long if their defensive line is wreaking havoc like they were uh, late in that game. But that was a one-possession game into the fourth quarter, which is yep. that, like... That can't happen. I mean, that that stadium, I was watching that game. I was watching every single play. That stadium was dead silent in the fourth quarter of that game because everybody was on pins and needles because it felt like a game that Michigan State was doing their best to give away. And they didn't, and they were able to come together and win that game. They have way less worries about them than I do about Nebraska. I think Mel Tucker is 10 times the coach that Scott Frost is. And he's proved that in the big 10 already, which Scott Frost has never done. So I have confidence in the fact that their coaching is going to keep them in a lot of games. Also just remember this Michigan state has a tendency to play down to bad opponents, especially like you were saying, Corey early in the year or Alex, I'm sorry. Early in the year. Yeah. Early in the year, they have a tendency to just play down to mediocre to bad teams Look for them in when, once the Big Ten schedule kicks up. That defensive line is going to wreak havoc on some offensive lines in the Big Ten. 
And I think they're going to be just fine. I think this is a team that's going to put it together. I was not very impressed with how they looked. I think they'll be A-OK moving forward. Yeah, it's like you said, this is not a Nebraska situation, even though the game script looked awfully similar to the way Nebraska played North Dakota. Um, Doesn't change how I feel about the team. I think they're good, not great. Um, But they do have some some studs. Uh, Peyton Thorne is obviously legit. Jalen Reed. Uh, Coleman, a wide receiver, came through for them because Jalen Reed didn't really have a great game, but Coleman came through. Like you said, Ethan, the defensive line looks better. So they're going to be fine. I just don't think just don't think they're quite dialed in and good enough to be another great team like last year was. Let's talk about <laughs> let's talk about Iowa. If oh, you yes. watched or read anything about the Iowa game, you know why I just exhaled uh, under just, 10 and a half betters out there. <laughs> the, the the Sickos committee game of the week. Yikes. That was the most Iowa football game i've ever seen in my entire life and i bet you kirk ferentz was elated with how that game went i i I just i think i i just think that like you look at it and it's like oh it was seven to three which by the way they did not score a touchdown for those of you who don't know yeah yeah. it's beautiful two safeties and a field goal they scored seven points on two safeties and a field goal and they won seven to three. That game was absolutely unbelievable. And we're going to get into, you know, who they're going to be playing coming up this week in Iowa State. We'll talk about that. But wow, 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 wow. I only watched the highlights of that game. I did not watch that game. But yikes. <laughs> oh, oh, that was that that was Corey's Big Ten game of the week right there. This is. This is what our forefathers imagined when they thought of Big Ten football. That was yes. absolutely yeah. incredible. When, when no, they were like, who needs the forward pass? Yes, absolutely. <laughs> Let's bring football back to that. No, okay. In all seriousness, holy cow, horrible. Um, but I this is a game I, I also watched pretty closely as well. Um it's so hard to take away something from that game other than the fact like, Oh, this is a gritty win. I don't watching that game. I didn't like think that Iowa was going to lose, even though it was three to three for like 10 days. Um, But uh, Iowa needs to figure out something at the quarterback position. Petrus was horrendous. Like, I think he only threw a couple interceptions, but he could have very easily had two or three more uh, in that game against another FCS opponent. Um, and the reason that I, I mentioned it's hard to take something away, I, I, South Dakota State couldn't do anything. They literally could not move the ball. Iowa's defense was suffocating. Like, it was the prototypical why people hate to go play football at Iowa because their defense is just stingy as all get out. And they obviously showed that. Um, and North or South Dakota state couldn't move the ball at all. Hence your two safeties. Um, <laughs> horribly, horribly, horribly boring game. If you're not about defense and rough and tough. Um, but of course, Iowa figures out a way to get a gutsy win. Um, and <laughs> without, any touchdowns or any hope of an offense. 
Uh, just not to pile on on poor Spencer Peters, but the guy's QBR on Saturday, 1.1. That can't be real. I swear to you. I swear to you. Looking at it right now, 1.1 QBR for that guy. That doesn't, and, and, that doesn't make you keep your job, people. That. No, no, it does not. <laughs> no, it does not. And speaking of keeping your job, the only reason that Kirk Ferentz's son is still the OC is because he's Kirk Ferentz's son, right? Like, because yes. this Iowa offense has been a topic of conversation for years, and it really hasn't gotten any better. Um, it was tough to watch. I was very nervous because literally all three of us last week on the pod were like, eh, Iowa wins these kinds of games. They just do. When they're supposed to win, they win. And then I was like, oh, God, they might not win this one. But, but they did. Their defense was the highest scoring unit in the game. Four points. That's, Four points. That's point. incredible. It's beautiful. <laughs> it's beautiful. Big. This is Big Ten country. I wonder if that's ever happened before. That's actually a great question. I wonder if there has ever been a double safety field goal seven to three game in the history of college football. I, I think there was a ticker stat on ESPN. First time uh, it was, a team scored seven points. It was, it was five, 2000. It was five to three at one point. I a, wanted that to be the final a score, score. A score that has never happened. A final score that's never happened before. You can look this up. I can't remember the name of the website, but it has like all the scores that have and haven't happened. Scoregami? I think that's what it's called, yeah. Oh. And five to three has never happened. And it could have, but it didn't. But like I said, Kirk Ferentz, I think I think he's absolutely ecstatic. I don't think he could have imagined a better football game for his team to win than that one. I don't think he's ecstatic with how his offense played. I'm ecstatic. Oh, I think he is. I I'm, think he is. I'm revved up. <laughs> Next topic. <laughs> Next one. Uh, this was an awesome game, but you feel for Illinois. They played Indiana. Indiana came out with the win, 23-20. Uh, I felt like watching this game, I learned a heck of a lot more, or I shouldn't say I learned a lot more, but this game told me more about Illinois than it did Indiana because Illinois' offense completely let them down. They outgained Indiana 451 yards to 362. They did have a touchdown that wasn't upheld. That was huge. Huge, huge call. That was absolutely huge, and it was the wrong call. But I went back and looked after the game, uh, and I watched a lot of this game. From the third going into the fourth quarter, uh, Illinois had three drives in Indiana territory. Tory, here's how they went. Uh, DeVito fumbles on the IU 20. Then they turned it over on downs at the IU one-yard line, and then DeVito throws an interception uh, in IU territory, Tory, late in the fourth quarter. I can't say the word territory right now, but you know what I'm saying. So, that Illinois defense was lights out all game until the last drive, and it was just the dagger. So for me, this is a tale of Illinois just perpetually bombarding themselves with bullets in the foot. It felt like every time they had the ball, they were marching down the field. And then, like you said, Alex, all of the turnovers in IU territory. And and listen, if you're IU, you're happy that you won the game. 
but there was clearly a touchdown that got, yeah. for whatever reason, was not upheld as a touchdown. Horrible I'll call. never understand that. That was horrible. And then you have multiple possessions where Illinois is just moving down the field at will. And then it seems like just the wrong play call or a crazy fumble where it's like, why do you have the ball six feet away from your body? You know, and it's getting popped out after a decent run. And it was just like every single time it felt like Illinois was ready to put this game away. They just couldn't do it. And shooting themselves in the foot. I think Illinois is a team that could really give some good teams that they're going to play a run for their money. I'm going to predict, I'm going to predict right now that just like last year. Now, listen, I know Penn state finished the year absolutely horribly. They were two and six in their last eight games, I think last season, but Illinois did beat them in one of those games in that bajillion overtime game. What a game. But I, I think that Illinois, much like they did with Penn State last year, Illinois pulls out an upset against a team this year that they should not yep. be in the Big Ten. That's going to happen. That team is gutty, and yes, they had a lot of mistakes, but they clean that up. If they clean up their, if they clean up half of their mistakes that they made in that game, they win by two, three touchdowns. I agree. Uh, I. This game was actually wildly entertaining, especially if you looked at Illinois. They made some pretty spectacular highlight reel play. The first play of the game, uh, the Illinois cornerback just absolutely destroyed the oh, IU yeah. running back. That was that was football porn at its finest, right there. That and that was <laughs> that was that was the start. That was that was your first taste of that game. So incredible. And then uh, the Illinois receiver Hightower. Um, I think it was sometime in the third quarter. He had a he had a jab step into the in or uh, to the middle of the field, totally made the IU corner look silly, and then just dove for the end zone. One of the prettiest plays of the night, um, and like that's a little bit different because it, even though Illinois shot themselves in the foot plenty of times, they also like did enough to win that game, and they had like they did just enough to win that game, and the reason that they didn't coming down to it was a combination of them shooting themselves in the foot and a horrible call that didn't go their way. So I think you would feel just a little bit different than maybe a Purdue game. If you're an Illinois fan watching that game, because you did some things well, you did some things not so well, but ultimately one huge play ended up swinging the game, not in your favor. Yeah, Ethan, I think that's a good call that Illinois is going to upset somebody this year because that that defense plays fast and they play nasty. They They, absolutely get after it. They were running downhill at Indiana. It reminded me a lot of – and listen, Aiden O'Connell, he makes up for a lot of deficiencies that Purdue has, but it reminded me a lot of what Penn State was doing against Purdue where every play, it just seemed like they were steamrolling downhill. But they have a good quarterback. Illinois is going to do that. to If they if they can do that to some teams in the Big Ten, look out. That's all I'm saying. Yep, 100%. Uh, all right, Michigan-Colorado State. Uh, the game was never in doubt. Michigan wins 51-7 to over Colorado State, which is a blowout I think everyone was expecting. Uh, but... So probably a few things to talk about here. One, how good the Michigan defense 
looked, especially their defensive line, uh, given what they lost and the defense as a whole. Genuinely, I'll just get on my on my soapbox here for a second about the defense looked the fastest fastest that I think it's looked in a really long time. They were East and West. They were covering everything. The Colorado state was throwing at them. They were getting their first on wide receiver screens, bubbles, everything. They were attacking the football with a lot of speed on defense. Um, obviously one of the bigger stories is Cade versus JJ. Um, but Corey, I'll let you go. Just thoughts on the game. Cade, JJ, everything. I'll keep it brief. Uh, I was watching that game. I was a little concerned off the first drive. Uh, Offense looked flat. And then the defense was kind of getting pushed around on that first uh, drive of the game against Colorado. Um, And to me, they looked a little small. And I was like, oh, no, this is is not how I want this season to start. Um, I was incredibly impressed with the amount of gang tackling that Michigan was able to pull off. Like it, it, they don't have an Ajabo, they don't have a Hutchinson. So they're making up for it by getting everybody to the ball um, and making sure that you, I mean, that Colorado state quarterback, he could not breathe all game long. He stepped, he stepped back to pass. He didn't want to pass because he had to step back in the pocket and he knew he was going to be in trouble if he had to. Um, so I was incredibly impressed with that. Um, 15 different, pass catchers for the Michigan offense. I said earlier in the year that Michigan probably has the second best receiving core in the big 10. I think they proved that because Roman Wilson made the most explosive play out of the wide receiving court. And he's probably your third best wide receiver on the roster. Um, and to tie this whole thing up, uh, I felt really bad for Cade just given all the stuff that he did last year. He did not look good. Like he was missing those throws that you would expect him to make Last year, as opposed to this year, he didn't have a whole lot of chemistry, and it, it, JJ comes in and he he transformed that offense. I'll just say this: as far as the Cade and JJ situation goes, against a team like Colorado State, you cannot win the job; you can lose it. And I think Cade, with what he, I think with what Cade did during the game. And then his comments after the game went a long way towards losing him that job. That is all I have to say. Yeah, obviously what every Michigan fan and, you know, Big Ten, you know, media person is focusing on post the game uh, is the QB battle. And like you said, Corey, Cade was missing throws that he did not miss last year. I think he missed three early ones to Cornelius Johnson where it wasn't a terribly tight window or super tight coverage. It was just bad timing, bad ball placement, almost through an interception. Uh, when you saw the replay, it looked like Eric all tripped, which may have contributed to that. It was, a, it was a it was a slight slip. Uh, I was at the game. I, I watched this live. It was a slight slip. He launched that ball a good five yeah. feet over his head. That ball was coming. No, even if Eric all is perfectly in stride and going to that ball, he launched it over where his intended receiver was going to be. He did. And when he was out there, um, the, the offense stalled in the red zone again, similar to the early season struggles last year before they got stuff figured out against Ohio state. Uh, settled for field goals, I believe, three times. 
while he was on the off uh, out there starting. Now, JJ did get plays, which I wasn't expecting. I thought it was going to be like a full game, full game thing for this QB tryout. Um, but JJ got out there. And like you said, Corey looked absolutely electric. And it was really funny because I forget which reporter it was, but a couple of weeks ago, it was someone who went to practice and came out and said, if I had to pick a guy, it's Cade. And when he was asked why, he said, the ball does not touch the ground when Cade is leading this offense. It's so efficient. It's so clean. He doesn't take risks. And the script was flipped against Colorado State. When Cade was in there, I think he had about a 50% completion percentage is what his numbers were. I think he was about 8 for 19, something like that. Uh, JJ went out there, went 4 for 4. The ball quite literally did not touch the ground. Had an electric 20-yard touchdown run that he basically created on his own. I thought he was going to get tackled and pushed out of bounds, but he beat the guy to the sideline and and got the edge on him and was in the end zone. It, I have a hard time believing that JJ's not going to come out next week against a bad Hawaii team and look electric and take the job. Real quick, just two things. Uh, I agree with you. It, very weird situation having the two quarterbacks go in the way that they're going. One thing I want to point out, Harbaugh announced that, okay, it's going to be Cade game one and then JJ game two. Don't you think that would go a little bit with the Colorado State game plan? I don't think that they were expecting uh, JJ to come into the game and then have this dynamic uh, quarterback come in. So I think, I mean, a bad team that wasn't prepared for JJ to come into the game, I think that helps a little bit. Um, but also that doesn't explain the poor performance. that I Kate just, Cunningham I just want to say this Harbaugh did say before the game that JJ would play. Okay. In, in the game. So he did say that. And then number two, I think if you were going to have like Cade starts, JJ starts, give those two guys the full game. I think, I or, think, I think Kate had earned that to just have the full game. And then I think you could, I, cause I don't think Kate's going to get in for the Hawaii game either. So doesn't know. I don't know. Yeah. And I know we mentioned the presser and, and I want to speed this up and not spend the whole time on Michigan. Uh, Cade just made some comments and looked in the presser like a guy who was upset that JJ was even getting a look uh, in, in, in what he said and responded to those questions, basically said he felt he had the best camp of his career and that he was very confused as to why JJ was getting the start in week two. And if you're reading between the lines, he looked like a guy who was saying, I don't understand why I haven't been given the job already. And the key word there is given, by the way, because that post-game presser, like I mentioned when I was talking earlier, the worst possible look for Cade McNamara. I'm sorry, dude, but that that just can't be what comes out of your mouth. I agree 100%. Um, all right, so now we've got the two big games to talk about. Uh, one big because of the teams that were playing, Ohio State and Notre Dame, and one big for the implications that it could have on Corey's psyche for the rest of this football season. So let's start with that one. Penn State beats Purdue. Purdue comes back from behind and takes the lead. Then Penn State comes back from behind late in the fourth. Uh, Penn State wins 35-31 in a game that, for most of the second half, felt like Purdue was going to pull this one out, and they didn't. Corey, what do you have to say for yourself and for the spoiler makers? I watched this whole game 
I have so many thoughts. I'll keep it as very brief as possible to try to organize it. Number one, I didn't think Aiden O'Connell played all that great. He had to throw the ball up 5 million times, mostly because his offensive line was Swiss cheese. So he had no time. Um, but he did a very poor job of leading his receivers on. I feel like he left a lot of balls short. He made a lot of, let, let's just say, gunslinger-esque throws that didn't not go his way, but you would have liked to see something happen a little bit differently with them. The offense for the majority of the night, and at least in the second half, was pretty stagnant because you were one-dimensional. You could not run the ball. You had the lead with six minutes to go in the fourth quarter, and you refused to run the ball. You are trying to chew clock. You have a big-time opponent coming in to open up your season, and you have them on the ropes despite the fact that you could not tackle a soul. And you refused to run the ball. It was putrid. I, it, I don't – they had multiple chances. Like, they they literally threw the ball four straight times. They got a first down, and you're thinking, oh, okay, now we're going to run the ball. They they did it again. They threw it eight straight times in the fourth quarter. It just stops the clock. It prevents you from chewing the clock away. It prevents you from getting a huge win and making a statement to your season, and you did not do it. They could not tackle. Uh, they could not cover. They somehow had a defensive score. I don't even know how that was possible. The guy threw up at the end of the score. Scott Frost was was saying yes right on his screen. But still, it, it was the worst coached team I had seen in quite some time. I don't know how you made those decisions that you made deep into the fourth quarter. I do not understand how nobody would wrap up anybody. Sean Clifford is not a good quarterback. He's been there for 50 years, and he hasn't shown us anything. And yet you let him drive down. the. You gave him multiple opportunities to drive down the field on your home turf. I, I didn't understand. I was dumbfounded because you played horribly, yet you still had a chance to win the game. And the only reason you didn't was because you refused to do the simple things. You had you the, ball, the ball. Oh, you had the ball two times. The first time at six minutes left in the game, then you gave the ball back to Penn State. Then they gave the ball back to you. All of this within six minutes, and you were ahead both times you got the ball. You ran less than two minutes off of the clock. You deserved to lose. They ran the ball. In those two drives, they ran the ball. One time. One time. One time, yeah. And you deserve to lose the game. The line play... If you guys go back and watch highlights or rewatch the game, whatever you want to do, the line play in this game so heavily favored Penn State, especially in the fourth quarter. Penn State was running downhill at Aiden O'Connell for the entirety of the fourth quarter. He was, that, I, he was playing. It, it, they their their offensive line and their defensive line were pitiful. Zero quarter. pressure, zero None. pressure from Penn State's None. defensive line. They got no, no, they no. got a hold no. of the quarterback one time from from Purdue's defensive oh, line. Yes, excuse me, that's what yeah. I meant to say. Yep, uh, and and you Horrible. know what? When when I saw how poorly coached and the the play calling, the execution of plays, they deserve to lose that game. Absolutely, they deserve to lose. One hundred percent. You de- you deserve to lose. One hundred percent. 
And even though the line played as bad as it did, the offensive line, as a coach, time to get creative. If you're going to throw the ball, it's got to be behind the line of scrimmage stuff. It's got to be screens, some bubble screens, run a jet sweep, for God's sakes. I mean, anything, anything to just force Penn State to use timeouts. I mean, anything to make an attempt to get that clock to drain. And Brom just refused to do so. And it was mind-boggling for every single person watching the game. Officiating, the officiating in that game was also pretty horrible. Penn, or, uh, Purdue didn't get any help. Uh, I don't want to hear it. Did. I don't want to hear I, it. I'm, I don't want to hear it. In the fourth quarter, your line play was as bad. It looked like a high school team playing Penn State. That's not what I'm trying to say. I'm just saying you you played horribly. You didn't do anything right, and you didn't get any help from the officials. You were going to lose that game 100% of the time. That's all I'm trying to say. It was an upsetting loss for sure, especially for the three of us that all had Purdue winning. It didn't even cover. Didn't even cover. Didn't even cover. Uh. So the next big one, Ohio State, Notre Dame. This game did not turn out how I thought it was going to turn out at all. It looked very different than the Ohio State that I was expecting to see. Um, But they got a win by double digits against the top five team and a defense that looks like they're going to be really good this year. Uh, So the opposite side of the ball showed up in this game that I thought was going to. I thought that Ohio State, especially being at home, I thought their offense wasn't going to miss a beat from where they were last year. I thought they were going to come out and sling it all over the field, win this game something like 45 to 20-something or whatever. But it was the exact opposite, and their offense looked mediocre to bad at some points in the game. I mean, Henderson got benched for crying out loud. And Williams, I believe is his name. Uh, Yep, Williams. Yeah, came in and he looked great. Uh, I mean, he looked looked really good, but Travion Henderson could not move the ball. I mean, if you look at his yards per carry, it had to be abysmal. They looked so stagnant on offense in the first half of that game. But, I mean, the, the defense was staunch all game long and won that game for them. It was the opposite side of the ball. In Ohio State does what you expect them to do. They looked like a team that even when they struggle in a game, like you would think that if you struggle that mightily in a top five matchup, you're you're gonna lose the game. If you told me that Ohio State had seven points at halftime, I would have told you they're losing. Like not just they are currently losing, they're going to lose the game. But they didn't. And they found a way to win pretty comfortably, actually. And that's just, I mean, kind of par for the course. I think the offense will get it together. Travion Henderson's got to get it figured out or he's going to lose his job real quick. But I uh, I think they're going to be A-OK. Uh, not, not, to, not to dunk on the Travion Henderson hate. It was rough in the first half for him. His final numbers, though, ended up 6.1 a carry. He had 91 yards. It didn't feel like it, and it didn't seem like it but he ended up having a pretty dope stat line at the end of the day. But I was shocked at how the carries were split. He only had one more carry than Mayan Williams, I believe, which seems like he came out of nowhere. I didn't remember hearing his name at all last year. And then he looked like an absolute tank yesterday. Uh, Stroud started off a little bit sloppy, but by the end of the game, 
he was making the throws that you expect a future first round draft pick to make. Uh, guy was lights out, putting it exactly where it needed to be. Uh, and they did that while losing Jackson Smith and Jigba. Hopefully he's healthy. Hopefully he comes back. Uh, but typical Ohio State fashion, their wide receiver, you. And they had guys step up. Marvin Harrison Jr., uh, Ibuka, I think is how you pronounce his name. Both had huge games. Huge games. I, and think, just, I think Smith and Jigba did come back in that game. He came back for, he came back yeah. for a little bit and then left a second time. Yeah, and I don't know if he came back after that. He was struggling for sure. Yeah, his I think it was his ankle, was it not? It was some leg, lower yeah. body thing. Yep. Uh, it looked like his ankle got rolled up on when he got. Oh, that that injury. Game. When I saw that injury, I was like, "Oh no, that that looked bad." Yeah, it looked rough, um, and it, like it probably stung a little bit. So I'm sure that's why he was out. But Ohio State looked much more physical on both sides of the football. And if they have a two-headed monster at running back, a more sophisticated and physical defense, and they're more physical on offense, look out for this team. I think this 21 points, it'll probably be the lowest point scored they have all year. This offense is just going to get better. When Purdue watches film this week, they need to watch the final drive that Ohio State had against Notre Dame where they literally ran the ball every single play. Because... That's what you can do when you have a good offensive line. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Purdue's going to watch film and be like, uh, I'm not him. But if that's only, if only we had five, four and five stars on our offensive line. That doesn't, that doesn't matter. You want to be a championship team. You have a game where you did not fire on all cylinders and it was a gutsy, gritty performance. And you have a lead late in the fourth quarter and it's not up to your standards, you run the ball, you chew the clock, and you run it until they stop you. And Notre Dame could not stop Ohio State on the final drive, and literally they ran the ball up the middle every time. That's what Michigan did to Ohio State last year, and that's what Ohio State did to Notre Dame. That's it. That's all I got to say. Time to get into the week two picks. Uh, I'm going to announce the game. And then Ethan's going to give us spreads because apparently from now on we're picking against the spread for some freaking reason. Um, but Only all right, way to do it, baby. Start off, yeah, whatever. We're going to start off with Arkansas State at Ohio State at noon. Ethan, what's the spread? So we've got Ohio State minus 44, boys. So they're kicking off at a 44-point deficit. Who you got? Ohio State's going to cover and they're going to win. Ohio State is going to cover and win. I say Ohio State does not cover this number coming off a massive game against Notre Dame. They're going to have a little bit of a letdown. I think that they are going to, because they didn't get to in week one, they're going to rest their starters as much as possible. Would not be surprised if Jackson Smith and Jigma does not play. I look for them to not cover this 44. Western Illinois at Minnesota kicking off at noon. Uh, what's the spread? Oh, wait, do we we don't have this one. This one's not out yet, is it? No, it's not out yet. But Western Illinois got blown out in week one by uh, UT Martin. So no matter what the spread is, I'm going to pick Minnesota to cover. I will also take Minnesota to cover whatever the number is. I will uh, pick them to cover as well. They seem to shut out opponents that 
they need to beat. So especially this year. Uh, Duke at Northwestern kicking off at noon. Fun game. I cannot wait to watch Northwestern play football again. Northwestern. Northwestern minus 10 against the Blue Devils. Northwestern, easy. Good teams win, great teams cover, and Northwestern is a great football team. Yikes. That hurts to hear. I am also going to take Northwestern to cover, however. Northwestern push. Oh, fine. (laughs) Write it down. Write it down. He called a push. They got to win by 10. Can't wait for you to be wrong. Okay. Uh, Ohio, Ohio traveling to Penn State. Not Ohio State. Ohio is traveling to Penn State, kicking off at noon. Go Bobcats. What do we have? Penn State is only a 24.5-point favorite here. I think Vegas is trying to get some money on the Nittany Lions for some reason. I think they know something about Ohio. I'm going to trust Vegas here. I'm going to take Ohio plus the points. Sean Clifford's a fraud. I'll take Ohio. I am also taking Ohio. I don't oh, believe in this no. Penn State team, and I don't believe in James Franklin. <laughs> I push, so you can't tie me. It's okay. It's true. You'll beat me, or I will be supreme leader of the spread. Washington State at Wisconsin kicking off at 3.30. Do we have a line on that one? We do. Wisconsin minus 17.5. So uh, Vegas giving Washington State a little bit of love. You know, I'm going to take Washington State interesting just early I, early season early season we'll see how oh, wisconsin measures up for the rest of the year i think they'll cover i think i think this game is close in the first half if you're gonna take washington state take them in the first half to cover the number i think wisconsin pulls away in the second half keeps the starters and runs that score up i think they end up winning by at least three touchdowns i don't feel great about it but i think wisconsin's offensive line is too good i think they are going to cover Maryland traveling to Charlotte, so a road game for Maryland early in the season, kicking off at 3.30. Just for context, Charlotte has opened up the season with two blowout losses, one against FAU and the other against Powerhouse William and Mary. (laughs) So the spread here, Maryland minus 27.5. I think that Vegas is trying to get you to take Maryland here and it's gonna work i'm gonna take maryland i think they win by 28 plus Uh, i mean charlotte come on you've got a quarterback who's a border nfl talent in tongue of iloa i'll take maryland i'll punt the points yeah i'll take maryland too i don't feel great about it because they tend to play a little bit sloppy at times and i feel like they might overlook uh charlotte a lot but i am going to take maryland to cover Scott Van Pelt told me to take the Terps, so I'm going to do it. Good choice. Good logic. Akron visiting Michigan State, kicking off at 4 o'clock. MSU favored here by 34.5. Akron, I just, like I said, MSU has a tendency to play down to their opponents in the non-conference. Akron, actually a pretty tough team and, and can be feisty. I, I look for Akron to cover the number here against MSU. I think 34 and a half is just a bit too much. I look for this to be somewhere around a 25-point game. So I like Akron. I'll take I'll take Akron to cover. I'm taking Akron because I hate the Spartans. We'll continue the trend. I'm great, taking great Akron analysis. because of 
I'm taking Akron because of what Ethan said and because of what Corey said. All right, fine. You want my analysis? Look at what they did with uh, Western Western Kentucky, in the words of Irvin Mag- Magic Johnson. Um, and they backed Michigan State backdoor covered. So if it weren't for garbage time. By, by the way, Western Kentucky was busy playing Hawaii and beating their brakes off. That's Listen. what Western Kentucky was doing. Oh, Hawaii also wears green. I can see where the confusion came. Correct. Go <laughs> Hilltoppers. Um, Iowa State at Iowa, 4 p.m. I am not going to feel good about either way. I picked this game. What's the spread? Iowa minus three. Listen to me. Listen to me. Iowa's offense is whatever the over-under on this game is. I don't care. Close your eyes. Don't look at it. Don't look at the over-under. It's going to be a disgustingly low number. Take the under. I don't care. That's the thing I'm the most confident in. But I'm going to take Iowa State, and I'll take the plus three here. But I also think Iowa State wins this game. I I just think after how abysmal Iowa's offense looked week one, I I just I can't trust them. And I think Iowa State's going to score enough. I think they get it done. I'll take Iowa State plus three. Uh, are we even sure that Iowa is going to score three points? Because I don't think that uh, I, I don't think that's a given. I, I, Ethan, I agree with you. I think Iowa, Iowa, Iowa State is one of the one of the better non-conference games of the of the early season. It's a fun game to watch. Um, but if it's anything like the the last game Iowa played in, only the sicko committee is going to like it. I agree. Iowa State covers, and I do think Iowa State wins based off of last week's performance. Iowa has to score an offensive touchdown <laughs> at some point. <laughs> at some point. Will they it be in week team, two? <laughs> they beat a team they beat a team by four points and didn't have an offensive score. I have to believe it's gonna get better. I have to believe they'll figure out some way to get into the end zone. And that defense is super, super elite. I am going to take Iowa to win and cover on this game. And I am on an island, but you're, that's okay. You're sounding like a degenerate. They got it's gotta happen. It's gotta happen at some No. <laughs> no, it doesn't. It's it's gonna happen sometime. <laughs> All right, Virginia at Illinois, four PM kickoff. Another fun game. Yeah, we've got Illinois minus four and a half. That is the dreaded number. In football, boys, that is the Illinois number. easy. Illinois easy. Their defense is too nasty. They've got too many talented weapons on offense. They will win this game and they will cover because they're mad about the way they lost to Indiana. I'm going to give you this. I'm going to say that Illinois wins this game. I'm going to say they do it by somewhere between one to three points. I will take Virginia to cover, but Illinois to win a very close game. I think Illinois wins, but they do not cover the spread. Ethan, I hate that I'm going to agree with you because I I don't think I don't think Illinois is capable of blowing anybody out. Um, but I do think they're capable of winning games, um, and it will be in close fashion throughout this season. So, for that reason, Illinois wins the game. They do not cover. Indiana State at Purdue, 4 p.m. kickoff. We Who don't cares? have we we do not have a line on this game, and it's going to be Purdue by infinity. Uh, it, like they have like a 99% chance to win this according to FPI. So uh, I, I mean, sure. Do whatever you want. This spread is going to be absolutely ridiculous. Next. I don't care anymore about this team. 
freaking piss me off. <laughs> I'm going to take that as your picking producer. Yes, Robert. I'm picking because Aiden O'Connell is him. That's the only reason. I am also picking Purdue to cover. I think that makes another clean sweep Purdue pick for us. So hopefully it works out better this week than the last. Frick that. <laughs> Boiler Wagner. <laughs> Wagner at Rutgers, 4 p.m. This should be a barn burner. Dude, Rutgers is a wagon right now. Uh, we also do not have a uh, – we don't have a spread on this either. Don't matter. Rutgers by a billion. They're covering. Wagner covers. Wagner, Wagner covers. Wagner Rutgers cover. Wagner Rutgers cover. Rutgers, Rutgers covers. I don't Ruck, care. I'm on the Rutgers, wagon. Rutgers wins. Wagner covers. Rutgers wins and covers. Then. You guys get some of that gaba ghoul in you. <laughs> Georgia Southern at Nebraska kicking off at 730. Nebraska is a 22-point favorite. I don't trust Nebraska to beat anyone by 22 right now. You could make this spread even less, and I think I'd still be going against Nebraska. Sorry, Cornhuskers. I agree. I can't trust this team. I can't trust a Scott Frost-coached Big Ten team, no matter who they're playing. So, yep, I agree, Ethan. Georgia Southern's going to cover, but Nebraska will win. I I want... Nebraska to cover, but they literally have given you no reason for you to bet them to win the spread. So <laughs> you can't. You have to. You, they're not going to cover. They're going to win, but they're not going to cover. Hawaii at Michigan. These poor Hawaii football players have to play at the big house at night after getting lit up uh, two weeks in a row, I believe, right? Yeah. Western Kentucky and Vanderbilt. Oh, yeah. They just got spanked last night or maybe today even. By Western Kentucky, uh, and this they this lost spread six, cannot be big enough. They, I'm taking Michigan. They lost sixty three to ten against Vanderbilt week one. So the spread is Michigan minus fifty. Fun fact: before I make my pick, this is the largest spread that the University of Michigan has ever had. Uh, they have never been a fifty point favorite. And there is a reason for that. This Hawaii team, I have said it on multiple different occasions to the two of you, is the worst team in college football. In D1 college football, they are the worst team. Michigan wins this game, and Michigan covers this spread. And it's not because I'm being a Michigan homer. It is literally because I think Hawaii is that bad. I think Michigan covers this number. I think Michigan might get a shutout here. I think it might be something like 55-60-0. to 60, or 60 to zero. I have a question. Did they cover, or I mean, when they scored like 63 points against uh, Northern Illinois last year, what? how many points did Northern Illinois have? They have seven? Yeah, and they covered. They covered? Well, they covered Michigan, that spread. Another fun fact, Michigan was the best team in college football against the spread last year. I believe uh, they went 10-2 and two against the spread. Their only losses against the spread coming uh, against Michigan State, and then they did have one other. But I can't remember what it was. I'm taking Michigan. I just I just think that spread is too massive. They'll win by like 40, but I'm I'm gonna say Hawaii covers. <laughs> oh gosh. Horrible take. Horrible yeah, take. That's fine. That's fine. I also said I, Purdue was gonna win the West, so I gotta own it. Idaho kicking off at Indiana at eight o'clock. I do not know if we have a spread on this one. So sorry. Uh, I'm probably taking Idaho either way. Indiana should not have beaten Illinois. 
Uh, Idaho played a close game against Washington State last week. So I'll take Idaho to cover, but Indiana to get the win. Yeah, Washington State, I'm looking for this number to be somewhere in the 20s. Uh, Indiana being favored by 20-something. I don't think they win by that much. I think they win by somewhere between 14 to 20 points. Give me Idaho to cover. Go Vandals. Idaho covers. All right. That is all the picks. Uh, Big show. Lots of stuff. Lots and lots of stuff. Uh, But I am psyched for week two of college football. I know you two are. Uh, Thank you for listening again. You can uh, hit us up on Instagram and Twitter and follow us at Big Show Pod. Whatever podcast site you're listening on, please leave us a review, subscribe, follow, whatever you got to do. Thank you for the support. Thank you for listening. We will see you all next week.